Um, let me just remind you the first verse, uh, because the last verse ends with such a clangor um, that you, you might just be holding on to that one. Let me remind you what the first one is, because this is the one I want to look at this morning. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and accepted it not as the word of, God, uh, of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at, wor- <coughs> at work in you believers. Um, Every person can grow to be a strong and vibrant Jesus follower that experiences everlasting hope and joy. Um, You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be uh, talented enough. You don't have to be born in a certain tradition. Every person can can grow to be a vibrant Jesus follower who is full of hope and joy. Um, If you say, look, you know, I'm I'm not super religious, like... I'm not the kind of person who uh, is probably likely to become like an uber-religious person. Great, that's exactly the kind of people that Jesus saves and can become um, exuberant uh, experiences of hope and joy in Jesus Christ. If you say, no, you know, I'm super, I was born into a religion, um, I, I kind of, I think that, you know, it would be hard to leave. Great, that's exactly the kind of people Jesus saves. Um, and brings them into an experience of freedom and joy and uh, hope. Um, and that's you. All of us are just as likely as each other. In other words, there's no one in this room or outside of this room who's more or less likely to experience the life that God has for us. Uh, salvation, freedom, joy. So if you think of yourself and you go, oh, that person's at an advantage to me uh, or a disadvantage to me, there's nothing about us that makes us more or less advantaged in the sight of God or more or less likely to know uh, what God has for us. Um, it's all by His grace. And that puts us on even footing, which is wonderful to know that it's God in His grace that reaches us, that saves us. Um, and so as we come to this text this morning, um, the good news is, you know, we are just like the Thessalonians. In that church, there were some <laughs> who were... Uh, very, very, very religious, sorry, the side, very, very religious Jewish people who became Christians. And there were also some who, who were kind of like pagan uh, worshippers, you know, worshipping the, 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 they could see Mount Olympus and they were worshipping the Greek gods of poetry and love and sex and strength. And, and that just sounds like our society. We don't, we don't have a mountain that we face, but every day we have a city in which you know, we worship wealth and lifestyle and adventure and uh, the approval of others on social media. Same sort of thing. And Jesus can take all of us and bring us to himself um, and save us, which is, is great news. So we are exactly the kind of people that Jesus wants to save. Um, and we can become strong and vibrant Jesus followers. There's three things I want to show us in this text. We must receive something. So what must you receive? How must you receive it, and what does it do to you? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Note the tone when we look at um, receiving God's Word, or what must you receive. Note the tone that Paul enters the text with. He says, we also thank God constantly for this. There's been a couple of times in my life where things have happened for me that I feel continuously thankful for. There's um, people, for example, when I moved from... Africa to America, I landed and didn't know where I was going to stay. The, the girl who picked me up from the airport said, Mark, where are you staying? Um, and I went, I don't know. <laughs> I have no plan. 
Um, I've just come for uh, whatever reasons. And she, well, great. There's this couple in the church that said you could stay with them. Do you want to go stay with them? So I was like, that's better than not staying anywhere. So that would be a good idea. <laughs> and I went and I lived with them for the first year of, of living in the States. Um, I'm, I'm forever grateful for them. I've said thank you to them to the amount of times it would be, I'm sure, by now, annoying to them. But because the reason I keep saying thank you to them is I, I don't feel like the thankfulness that is inside of my heart has ever come out properly in words and actions. I, I can't quite express to them how thankful I am for what they've done. And then as I get older and realize how insane I was just landing in another country with no plan of where to live and how gracious they were, they, they, uh, uh, the first day I arrived, they'd got me a mobile phone because I didn't, I didn't realize that I'd probably need one of those. Um, they, their son had given up their room. Um, they introduced me to chocolate soy milk, which I've since given up, but for 10 years it was a fan favorite. Um, an insurmountable amount of ice cream. Um, they just they treated me with such kindness, and I just can't quite say thank you properly to them. Um, very similar story, I won't tell it, but of high school. My, initial, my first time I moved to America was to, for high school, and was hosted by family there. Who same story? Uh, someone had to give up a room for me. They moved into the roof. Um, I think it's called an attic, but it, it was it was in the ceiling in the roof. Um, again, it's hard to stop feeling thankful. There's not a day in my life I don't feel thankful for those people for all that they gave me. Paul is constantly thankful, and I wonder if there's something in your life that you're constantly thankful for. Maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's your parents, or maybe it's children, or maybe it's your job, or maybe it's your life. You just, you just never feel like you can properly express how thankful you are. And Paul goes, we are constantly thankful to God. There's like, we, we just go on and on and on. There's this almost like, the re, it's not a disbelief, but it's almost the same thing of like, I can't stop thinking about how thankful I am to God for something, right? He's just constantly thankful. It's amazing. It's profound. God, you are so good. God, how do you do this? God, you are incredible. God, you are faithful. God, you've said you will do what you've done, what you said you will do. God, if you weren't involved, it could have never happened. God, you met us. We were out on a limb and you came through. God, you were, you know, it's this kind of on and on and on thankfulness. And for what? What is he constantly thankful for? I've told you some things that I'm constantly thankful for. He said that you received the word of God. We're so thankful to God that you received his word. This is what we have to receive. How can we become strong and vibrant Jesus followers who experience hope and joy in our lives? We must receive the word of God, firstly. So Paul says you've received the word of God. This is what we're so excited about. We came from Philippi, we came beaten, we came imprisoned, we came broken, and then we came and we told you the word of God. Uh, uh, it broke into your city. You, you, we told some of you were Jews, some of you were pagan, uh, um, uh, Greek pagan worshippers, but, but you all received the word of God, and, and we're just amazed, and we're just so blessed, and we just can't believe what God has done. I mean, we believe it, but it's just amazing. You received God's word. What, do you, what is required to receive God's Word? Number one, you have to hear it. So in order to receive God's message, Paul says to us in another part of Scripture, 
uh, for people to receive it, they have to hear it. And if they're going to hear it, someone has to tell them. Um, they've got to receive it from somewhere. There's many ways today I, I want to tell you that you can hear God's Word. Uh, just here, forget about everywhere else in the world, but just right here, I opened up one app on my phone just to double-check this. One app on my phone that's free, it's a free app that all of you can have, um, has 75 tr- English translations of the Bible. So I can read the same verse 75 times in different ways of trying to say the same thing in an English translation. Now, I don't speak a lot of languages. I, I barely speak English very well. Um, but it's, that's going to do me. That's going to be okay. In some of those translations, like the one that we mostly read in a church, the, the app will even read you the Bible. So if you go, yeah, but I'm just not much of a reader, it's fine. You find the part you want to, you want to hear, and you push the, the, the button we all push every single day many times, the play button, and it tells you what the Bible says. It reads it to you. It's like story time in the car or story time at home or story time at work, you know, wherever you want, just, and the Bible's read to you. In not 75 of the translations, but some of them. On that, same app, uh, on that same app, there's a whole bunch of Bible reading plans. So if you go, but I'm still not like really getting it, then it goes, well, then just pick one of the Bible reading plans and it will have someone who's kind of helping you think about how to think and, and hear those verses. Or you go, yeah, but I want to know what the Bible says about anxiety. Great. Pick the Bible reading plan about anxiety and someone's already done the homework for you to bring out the verses that tell you about how to think about anxiety from God's Word. What does God say about it? You go, I'm a new Christian. I don't know how to start reading the Bible. Great. Go to one of the many new believer uh, uh, programs and it goes, yeah, as a new believer, here's the verses to go and read and hear what God says about uh, your salvation. You go, yeah, but I want to grow in understanding uh, what does God say about uh, loving your neighbor. Great. There's a Bible reading plan for that too. There's a Bible reading plan for everything. So that's like one app that's free for everyone. You can uh, go listen to sermons online. There's great Bible teachers. You know, they're a dime a dozen. Um, Not everything that's quality is expensive. Uh, Often, and this is great, with, with God has made His Word free for all. And so some of the best teaching in, in the history of Christianity, 2,000 years since Jesus, since Jesus came, died, and rose again, it's free for all. It's just there. And as the internet gets better and better, there's more and more and more and more of it. There's great teaching, easy to access. To access. Charles Spurgeon, you probably can't get too many uh, sermons of his to listen to, but you can read them. Terry Virgo, Jen Wilkins, Michael Eaton, Nancy Guthrie, Tim Keller, John Stott. I can go on and on and on all day. And then you can also just be a regular like member of King's Cross. And you can come to Sundays, and we're always going to be opening up the Bible. And you can go to community groups, and we're always going to be studying the Bible. Or you can find a friend like Joel's done with WhatsApp and go, hey, who wants to read the Bible together? So you have to hear it. You've got to open up and know what's God's word, what's it saying, what's it, what does God say, right? You heard God's word. But secondly, you need a little bit of humility. So in order to receive God's message, a person has to be humble. Why? Well, James and a number of other texts tells us, says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, a proud person doesn't see their need for God's message. Um, I have blind spots. You have blind spots. 
What do you prefer? Seeing the blind spots of others or someone showing you your own? <laughs> I think you laugh because the answer is the same as mine. Now, a loving friend, I mean, at the end of the day, we, lo- we actually really do appreciate when people help and they give us feedback and they help us grow. It's, it's, it's immeasurably helpful and, and also wonderful. And I think the older you get, the more you appreciate feedback. But it's not always easy, right? But a proud person can't handle that. A proud person can't ever be shown a blind spot or a speck or a log in their eye. A proud person can be drowning and not admit they need help. A proud person can be sick and not admit they need a doctor. Ooh, I guess that means I'm a proud person. A proud person... uh, I, I can go on and on in these kinds of illustrations, but you get what I'm saying. A proud person doesn't know that they need help. They won't admit that they need help. They won't get the help they need. So God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. When someone says, I'm drowning, I need help. Here's a hand. Let me rescue you out into the lifeboat. When a sick person says, God, I need help. God's like the doctor going, here we come along. Let me, help, let me heal you. It's like a, a student going, I don't understand. Can you help me? God is like the teacher. He comes alongside and says, absolutely. That's why I exist. I literally am here to help you. That's the humble. God gives grace to the humble. And all the humble, the humble aren't any better than the proud. The humble just understand that they need help, they, like everyone else does. They just ac- accept it. They just admit it. They don't elevate the evil. The humble person doesn't beat themselves down and say, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm so terrible. They don't, you know, they're not drowning and they kind of like stick themselves under the water going, I'm so silly and stupid. Why am I in this position? They don't. They just admit their need for, for help. That's all. So Paul and his friends found some humble people who were willing to admit that they needed help, who were willing to admit that God's message of Jesus Christ was really wonderful, and they received it. They received God's word. Have you received God's word? Are you on a journey? God's word says, part of it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God's word also says that Christ has come into the world, that he's lived a life in our place, that God has come. The wages of sin is death. God has come and he's lived in our place and he's received our death. Jesus went to the cross uh, a righteous man, and he, he stood, he, he died in our place. He received our punishment. And then he was raised to life and given a name above all names so that he could call people to life, that he could give life. And then he said he's going to return again. Have you received God's word? One, I mean, one, one part of it is pretty bad news. You're a sinner who uh, has pending eternal death as your destiny. But you only hear that because of the good news. So, you know, God's not like a, he's not, he's not like a horror storyteller. Come to me. Let me tell you how bad you are. There's that part. That's true. But that's like the, the entryway. That's like the first of many, many steps. The rest of it is. But because of that, I've done everything to, to rescue you from that, to forgive you for, the, for that, to redeem you from that. Christ has paid it all at the cross. The work is finished. Come to me. Let me rescue you. Have you heard God's word? Have you, have, you, have you accepted? Have you received God's word? Then what about the rest of it? God's word continues on. It doesn't stop there. It carries on. God's word speaks about loving our enemies. 
God's, spe- God's Word speaks about forgiving others. God's Word speaks about living at peace uh, with others. God's Word speaks about a quiet life, submitting to one another, serving each other. God's Word speaks about our eternal hope. His unending, unending never-changing love. His indwelling Holy Spirit. God has a lot to say about all of life. Have we received His Word? Number two, because maybe you go, there's, there's probably like two, pe- two people go like, no, I'm, I'm, I haven't been a Christian for very long. I'd like to hear what God says about all those things. Just like I remember when Regan became a Christian, he came, he came to church when we were still at Perth Modern, first time, first time to church. He's like, I think he was 21 years old, was the first time he had ever gone to church. He became a Christian. Then someone, I think it was Robert Nightingale, told him he needed to get baptized. Regan went, oh, great, is that in the Bible? Robert, yeah, it is. He will show you. It's not like a King's Cross thing. It's like a God thing. It's not my word. It's his word. Showed him. He went, okay, yeah, I see it. Okay, I'll get baptized. He received God's word. Great. But there's others of us, and, and I probably fall in this category, that we've, we've known God's word for so long that we, we become familiar with it. There's not that much people can say that we don't already know about God's word. And it's a little bit like, you, and so it become, you become numb to it. You know it, but that doesn't mean it's in your heart. And it's actually quite hear, hard to hear it, right? So what do we do? Paul goes on, he goes, but you accept it. You receive God's word, and then he says you accepted it. So we must accept, not just receive it, we must accept it. Not just hear it, but accept it. And Paul says, even though you heard it from us, you accepted it as the Word of God. In other words, yes, it came through broken and beaten up vessels who looked weak. Remember, they came out of Philippi having been beaten up, beaten and imprisoned. So they came like limping and hobbling and scars healing. And, they, you know, and Paul tells us in the Corinthians that he, he always chooses to speak simply. So they come looking broken and weak. And probably smelling a little bit. And then they come with a message that's very simple for children to understand about what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. And he says, but you received it as if it was God himself speaking to you. Wow, that's faith. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, if I was in high school and someone showed up smelling in bad clothes with bruises and and, and then started telling me about what God had done for me, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, "I, uh, I don't want to be seen with this, this person, right? But there was something about the message they knew wasn't Paul's or Timothy's or Silas's, but they could say, this is, this is God's word. This is God speaking to us through people. We don't have to be very special when we share God's word. We just have to let it speak for itself. Don't add to it. Don't subtract it from it. Just trust that God's word will speak. A miracle has to happen for it to be accepted. They accepted it as God's word. Paul says, you know, those who preach and teach, he says this, it's a challenge because I'm trying to preach and teach. Paul says, (laughs) if that's you, do it as if if you're communicating oracles of God. Man, have that, think about that. Um, One of my primary job descriptions is to preach. Think about that as like a KPI. At the end of the month. Mark, have you done it as if what you were giving were oracles of God? 
the mysteries of God, the unfolding mysteries of God. Welcome to King's Cross today, guys. I'm going to tell you about the unfolding mysteries of God. Wow. But this, that's what Paul's doing. He's, it's, not, it's, not you, it's not the vessel. It's not the person. It's saying God's word is so magnificent and mighty. Whoever you are, if you're in a position where you're talking to someone about God's word, share it as the oracles of God. And that, that's what Paul did. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the word of man. It was the word of God. Tell me something. If you're, if you're traveling and you're on a jet plane, do you want the, the plane landing, it's com, coming down, the whole trip's gone okay, it's coming down to land. Do you want it to land on Dunlop or Bridgestone? Those are the, those are the traditional makers of airplane tires, Boeing tires. Do you want it to land on Bridgestone? No, I can't even remember the t- Dunlops. Whatever the... <laughs> or do you want it to land... Do you not mind if it lands on Unicorn? Unicorn is a real tire manufacturer. Do you care? Some of you do, some of you don't. <laughs> You've never heard of them because they're not very good at what they do. All, all I, you want the, I, I would want them to land on something that's been tried and tested and proved every day a thousand times over to be safe because I wouldn't want to go on this journey of my life and land on something that hasn't ever been tested or proved. If you're in your car turning the corner pretty fast or braking pretty hard, do you want the Dunlops and the Bridgestones or the Pirellis or do you want the Unicorns or the, I think the other one's like a Gongyang, or so, I think it's called. It's, it's, it's untested. It's un, not in the same way. My point is this. Paul says, don't receive it as the word of man. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a thought. Everyone's got a philosophy. It's not tried and tested. It can't be. But everyone's got one. It's okay. Everyone's allowed to make one up if they want. But there is one that's been tried and tested and proved. You can land your life on that if you want. Or you can land your life on the philosophies of man. And Paul's going, don't do that. Don't bet your life on something that's unsafe. Bet your life on what has been proved safe for landing over and over and over. You don't want to die on a risk. Don't take it. The word of man and the word of God is very different. And in the matters of life and death, you should care mostly about that which is safe to land on. You know, over an interesting coffee and conversation, it might be interesting. It might be interesting. It might not not be interesting, but it might be interesting to sit with a bunch of people and hear their different ideas and philosophies. I think that would be interesting. But when push comes to shove and you need to bet your life on something, I don't think the table will be as interesting. Doesn't carry as much weight. At that point, what you want is truth. So the word of man has these three qualities about it, and, and, and this is, and my word has these three qualities about it. Number one, it's limited. The word of man is limited in knowledge and understanding. Even though um, at, at, for a small portion of your life, a couple times, when you're like, um, I don't know, like between two and five, and when you're a teenager, you, you know everything. <laughs> for most of your life, you know that you don't know everything. 
And then the older you get, the more you know you don't know everything. I've, I've been told by people much older than me, which the older I get is getting a, is a smaller and smaller window, but much older than me still, that all they know now is that they don't know much. So I'm like, thanks, bearer of good news. I can't wait to get old like you. What a great trip. I'm just going to, you know. But all I know now is that I don't know anything. Great. Fantastic. Man's word is limited. We know some stuff, but we don't know much. Number two, it's changing. Things we believed unwaveringly to be true yesterday gets, pro- gets proved uh, untrue tomorrow. It's not that anyone was, you know, think about smoking in the 1930s. Doctors recommended it. They weren't bad doctors. They weren't evil or wicked or trying to kill people. But truth was, was limited and changing. And the, the facts changed and the story changed and smoking has now become not recommended. <laughs> right? Man's word is changing. So whatever we boast about today, this is unwaveringly true. I know it. We've studied it. I've read the research papers. Great. Just stay humble. Just leave a window of of change. Some other things might come to light. And thirdly, it's corrupt. Isn't it interesting? Um, Sorry, not that everything we say is corrupt. It's corrupt in that it's, it's... it's, it's like a corrupted file. It's not perfect. It's not, it's not pure and truthful. It, it's, it's got its limitations. Isn't it interesting that in some courts, I don't know if they do this any longer, but it used to be that in some courts you'd have to place your hand on the Bible <laughs> and swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Isn't that ironic? Isn't the statement, isn't, is there a better picture of it right there that God's word is truth and my word is not and right now I'm going to raise myself to the standard of God's word and tell the truth in this court. You know, that's, that's kind of an embodiment of the difference between man's word and God's word right there. Now, I know we don't like to do that any longer in our Western society. More and more and more we're like, no, I'm not, I'm not swearing on God's word. You know, it's my word. And that's just symptomatic of our sin. But God's word is corrupt. I'm sorry, <laughs> man's word is corrupt. Think about it. If, if two people get to a T-junction and one says, maybe if you have a spouse, maybe this is like you guys, you get to a, a point in the road and you're like, you've got to go left or right. And, and you both are 100% sure you know where you're going. But one says you've got to go left and one says you've got to go right. Well, what's, what's, what's true there is that one of you is wrong. <laughs> and, and that's just like us to be, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be wrong because we're human. We keep saying that, don't we? we make, everyone makes mistakes. We're just human. No one goes, it's okay to make a mistake. We're just gods. It's okay to make mistakes. We're just human. So don't fight about it. You know, you, you pick the wrong path and go, I told you so. Just, just go, it's okay. You're human. You're flawed, you're limited, you're corrupt. <laughs> I'm just, don't, don't do that, but you get what I'm saying. You're just human. Um, what is the other person going to argue with? No, I'm not. I'm not just human. We're all flawed. Versus God's word, which is unlimited, 
God's infinite knowledge, God has infinite knowledge and understanding. He knows all things. And on ultimate things, there's no other authority but God. It's unlimited. His, his knowledge is unlimited. God's word is unchanging. God's word will never change because God's knowledge is, is unlimited. He already knows all things. He's omniscient. He knows all things. And then God's word is unchanging. It's, it's not like new information is going to come to God that's going to change things. Just wait till we discover something tomorrow and then we'll see what God has to say. It's not news to God. The adventure of discovery and science for us is not news for God. It's exciting for us. But nothing is news for God. His word is unchanging. And then lastly, God's word is not corrupt. God's word is truth. God's God's unlimited and unchanging knowledge is, in essence, truth. So, So no matter how things look, things, history, will always end up precisely as God says it will. No matter what the journey looks like, it will always end up precisely as God says it will. Um, I've got many kids, many journeys. And it's, it's interesting. Some of them have more confidence geographically than others. Some of them, uh, like Zeke, are super humble geographically and are um, a bit more like their mom and, and humble about the fact that they're not really sure where they're going. But, but my trust is in you and I think you can get me there. But I have other children, uh, Liberty might be one of them, who are geographically arrogant. And I say arrogant instead of confident because there's no reason for the confidence, and that is arrogant. And we may be going on a journey to a place that I know full well how to get there, but she will let me know that we're going the wrong way, and that we've never been this way before. And she's wrong. She's just aware of things that she's never been aware of before, but we're going, we're going to end up where we are planning to be. And we do end up there, to her amazement and surprise. And life may be like that. It may seem like it's going the wrong way. There may be things we don't understand. There may be things we become aware of. There may be times where we go, God, where are you? I don't get it. But it always ends up exactly where he said it will. He's not surprised. God's word is truth. You can't separate God from his word. Whatever God says, God does. You can separate me from my word. I might say to you, hey, I'll meet you for coffee at 8 o'clock Monday morning, and I might not show up. I, I might separate myself from my word. That I become unreliable. God, you cannot separate God from his word. If God has said something, it will happen. His character and His Word are not separable. That's why God didn't say, um, in, the, in the beginning, let's make light, because then His Word and His actions would be two separate things, and He'd have to say it, and then He'd have to go do it. it, it the Bible says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was no separation between God's Word, God's character, and God's doing. As He spoke it, it happened. So when God says, you are loved, there's no pause. In that moment, and for all of history, you are loved, you, you were loved, and you will be loved. His words and His character and His actions will all be loving to you. If He says you are forgiven, 
It's not pending. It's not going to expire. Because his word and his character and his actions are forgiven. So how do you accept God's word? Do you negotiate with it? Does his truth get weighed in the courts of your opinions? Have you ever heard something from God's word and gone, well, I don't really like that. If you haven't, then you haven't read the Bible enough. Because at some point when you read the Bible, there's going to be something where you go, I don't like that. I mean, love your neighbor. Forgive your enemy. Do good to your enemy. Live a quiet life. Submit. I mean, nothing I've just said are things that come naturally to me. Some of you are like me. Some of those things you don't like. But do you weigh it up in the courts of your opinion? Or do you go, hmm, all right, God, I'm going to need your help. Do your feelings submit to his truth? Or do your feelings reign supreme over his word? Do you bend his word towards your will? Or does your will bend uh, down to his word? Do you have less opinions today and more concern about God's word than you did yesterday? You know, eventually, I think as we walk with God, we all should get to a place where someone is able to say, Mark, what do you think about? And then they ask me, actually, I don't even want to know what I think about it. Can, you, can someone just tell me what the Bible says? Can someone just tell me God's word? What, what does God want? For? I don't even want to form an opinion because at the end of the day, if God's word is contrary to that, I'm going to have to submit that. And that's the whole journey I don't want to go down. Just tell me what God says. That's what I want. I mean, that's, if we get informed into Christ's likeness, Christ said, not my will, but your will be done. So if we're becoming more like Christ, then more and more and more and more, we're saying, God, your will be done. Right? God, speak. That's what I want. I want to receive your word. I want to accept your word. So what does it do to you? Final point. Paul notices the result of them receiving God's word. And he says, and it, God's word, is at work in you believers. God's word is at work in you believers. You know what a believer is? Someone who's accepted something. How do you become a believer? You accept something. So here, like some of the T20 World Cups will, is happening. So someone might say, Australia is going to win the T20 World Cup. And I go, I believe you. What, what does that make me? A, a believer. And I'm probably wrong. It's very unlikely Australia is going to win the T20 World Cup. But I, I can believe it. At the moment, it's still possible. I, I can be a believer of that. Right? And so Paul says, you believers, those of you who received God's word and accepted it as God's word, it is now at work in you. All you did was believe. All you did was trusted. All you did was accept it. But it is now working in you. It is now having life in you. It is now bearing fruit in you. It is now affecting the way you live your life. It's affecting your relationships with other people. It's affecting what you do. It's affecting where you go and worship. It's affecting how you plan your business. It's affecting your schedule. The Word is having uh, working in you. You accepted it. It's there. And it's God's Word working in you. Isn't it better that God's Word works in us than we have to work to be approved by God? Wouldn't you rather have something bearing fruit in your life than you having to bear fruit to be good enough or accepted? Yeah. 
It's bearing fruit. And then isn't it wonderful because then when, uh, when we are not bearing fruit, it's not the sense of, oh, you fruitless human being, you might, uh, God, you might not be acceptable to God. You might be useless. Maybe you don't really know Him. Rather, hey, I know you believe, but the Word is not bearing fruit in your life. Have you not received it or have you not accepted it? Or do, is it just the journey of giving time as the Holy Spirit works upon you? Where are you at? Do you know what God says about this? Mark, you, you're up all last night being anxious. Okay. God's Word says be anxious for nothing because He's got you. So you know that? Yeah, I know that. Okay, so you've received that. Okay, good. Have you accepted it? Well, in that moment, I wasn't accepting it because I was up being anxious and worried. My mind was racing. I was writing things down. I was making plans. Okay, pause. That's the problem. Let's accept it. What would it be like to trust, to believe that God's word that he's got you is true and complete? Well, it wouldn't change the things I was worried about, but it would change what I think is going to happen. It would change my control over them. And it would change my response. Okay. Do you you see it starting to work in you, Mark? Yeah, I I do. I can feel it. It's calming me down. I'm, I'm trusting God's word. Mark, we thank God because his word is working in you. So God's word changes us. Paul says, Paul says this. Listen to what Paul says. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing who, from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's, listen to this text. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, man and woman of God, can be, may be complete, equipped for every good word. What equips us for every good work? The Scriptures, God's Word. The Word of God is the most potent power in all of creation. When God speaks, it happens. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory (coughs) as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The unlimited, unchanging truth comes to us embodied in Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we follow God's Word. God's Word is truth. Jesus is God's Word embodied. It's God's truth over us. When Jesus is on the cross dying and says, it is finished, it is God's Word declaring that it is finished. The war between God and man is finished. The wages of sin is death. Uh, hanging over you like a curse, is finished. Redemption is finished. No way to God is finished. There is a way. Making a way to God is finished. There is now a doorway through faith in Jesus Christ. 
It has been opened through Jesus, and Jesus declares it is finished. It's the same as God declaring, let there be light, and there is light. When Jesus says, it is finished, it is immediately finished. Not finishing. Not going to be finished if I do enough. It is finished. And a way to reconciliation with God is made through Jesus Christ. Death is no more. Sin has no hold on you. Forgiveness has been bought. When Jesus says to the, um, the, the Jewish leaders of the temple, when he's, he's, he's turning things around and tossing them and making a whip and, and telling all the people to stop using it like a marketplace, and they say, who gives you authority to do this? Jesus says to them, basically, he says to them, kill me and three days later I'll rise from the dead. How can that be? Jesus rises from the dead three days later. And the issue was the issue of authority. Jesus rises to dead, from the dead. That means he has authority of life and death. That means he has authority over all creation. He goes further in Matthew 28. Jesus says, I've been given a name above all names. Jesus has been given a name above all names. He now has authority. What Jesus speaks, Jesus is the Word of God. When Jesus speaks, the Word of God speaks to us. When we follow Jesus, we are following unlimited, unchanging truth. Have you received and accepted God's Word? Are you trusting Jesus? Let me show you one way that you can engage with this. Just one way. In January, we're going to take a lot more time to unpack how you can grow in God's Word, how you can grow in receiving it, accepting it, and having it bear fruit in your life. We're going to do some workshops through... Remember, January is our summer camp. Our summer camp is going to focus on this. But let me just take you through a quick exercise, and then we'll do communion. Yeah? You good? just want to make it practical for you. Hold on. Just a little bit. All right, let's see. There's a scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. This is what you can do. You don't have to be like a super Christian to do this. You, you, you can become a Christian today and this is what you can do. The Lord, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Take a moment and you pause and you sit in there. Just take a moment and just, sit, just think about what the Word of God is saying. Remember God's character, God's words, God's character and God's actions on, on, cannot be separated. So you pause and go, the Lord, Jesus, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. The Lord, it means He has authority. It means He is overall. The Lord, not the guy, not Jesus, the, the, whatever. the Lord, who is Jesus. We, we, we know that from the Scriptures. The Lord, Jesus. The, the, whatever, whatever He's going to say is a big deal. It's talking about the great Lord. Well, what about Him? The Lord, Jesus, is this is going to say something about him. He is, not was. He is, not was. Not will be one day. He is, right now. Okay, the Lord is what? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not just Josh's shepherd, or Nasser's shepherd, or Jib's shepherd, or... Steve Shepherd, or Dixon Shepherd, or Ruth Shepherd, the, the Lord's my shepherd. He's my, he's my shepherd. 
means He's looking after me. He's caring for me. He wants the best for me. I went and saw a farmer a couple of weeks ago. He made us, uh, he, he does have sheep. He made us, Zeke and I, he, guess what he made us for lunch? <laughs> lamb. He's <laughs> like, hey man, um, I appreciate that you've made us lamb for lunch, but I, I feel like as a shepherd that you might have gone above and beyond <laughs> sacrificing. He's like, oh no, no, don't worry about it. I got it at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd looks after his sheep. The shepherd feeds his sheep. The fe- shepherd loves his sheep and cleans his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? It means I lack nothing. But my opinion is, I lack a lot of things. I've got a whole list. I've got a birthday list, a Christmas list. I've got a wish list. I've got... Hold on. God's Word says, I lack nothing. Ultimately, I lack nothing. In the matters of life and death, I lack nothing. Eternally, I lack nothing. I have everything I need for eternal life in Jesus, my Lord, who is my shepherd. He will make sure... That I have what I need. Whoa. Okay, that's a five-minute exercise of sitting in the morning, afternoon, night, in the car, and take one verse and just, just sit in it. Just meditate on it. What does it mean? And do you believe it? Do you receive it? I know what it says now. I heard it. Do I accept it? Is it the Word of God? Do I believe this to be true? Okay, I accept it. All right, let it start having work in me. I go and someone goes, Hey, Mark, I don't like you. I think you're a rubbish preacher and uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm just trying to think of things that are hurtful, but I don't want to give you too much ammunition, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> and I think, well, I've watched this person live, and I, and I have, I mean, I've been holding back, but I've got like a, I've got like a whole armory I can pull out of them, on them now, right now. I've got bazookas, and I can, I can, and I remember, hold on, the Holy Spirit goes, hold on, Mark, remember this, remember, the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Right now, you, you, maybe you hurt. Right now, maybe um, you, you feel angry. Right now, maybe pride is rearing its head. But the Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. They're not your shepherd. Nas isn't your shepherd. Sorry, Nas isn't the one who goes home and says, Mark, you're, you're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> They're not your shepherd. The Lord's your shepherd and you lack nothing. In that moment, how do you love your enemy? I'm not going to do the same thing, but just another text as, by way of example. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Even if you're not a Christian, you can sit down with this. It's one verse. You don't have to be a Christian to read the Bible. You open it up, read this. It says, The wages of sin is death. Do you receive that? Everyone. Not especially, you don't, it, it, just everyone. The wages of sin is death. Re- rebellion from God is the sin that we're all guilty of. The free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God, not the earned gift of God, not the be smart enough gift of God, not the be special enough. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. There's only one way. Christ Jesus the Lord. You sit there. You don't even have to be a Christian. Do you receive that? Do you accept that? Well, can you let it have life in you? But if you've been a Christian for 70 years, that's going to be just as meaningful to you. So there's a way. Do we receive God's Word? Do we accept God's Word as God's Word or do we weigh it up in the court of our opinions? 
Does it have, is it working in us? Where do I need God to go to work in me? I can go find out. God, I'm so impatient. Well, the Bible, God's Word says that patience is the fruit of love in the Holy Spirit. Okay. That means I'm not very loving and I need more of the Holy Spirit. That means, great, I don't have to beat myself up for being particularly impatient. Among all humanity, I'm the worst. No, I'm just in need of God. Great. Lord, I receive your word. Would you please help me to love like you? Your word says that I can bear the fruits of patience that I'm not seeing. So can you, by your Holy Spirit, please work upon my heart? I, I, I receive it. I accept it. Can you go to work in me, please? And then you know what happens? I see myself one day being a little bit patient in a way that I wouldn't have been previously. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. God's word is bearing fruit in my life through the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. It almost makes you go, what's next? Expose me, God. Show me what you want to work in my life. Show me where you want to change me. This is a bit exciting and a bit wonderful. Let us pray.